I'm no longer Leah Witt. And I'm still Billy Liggett. And this is with Orange. Today we are joined by Ashley Stevenson, owner and photographer for Story Photographers of Raleigh. She is a 2006 graduate of Campbell University. Welcome, Ashley. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So we start every interview off with the same question, and it's, how did you end up at Campbell? I love this question. I ended up at Campbell reluctantly. (laughs) Um, My parents actually went to Campbell and met at Campbell. And I had applied to some other colleges and applied to Campbell, but, um, you know, it wasn't my first choice at the time. Sorry, Campbell. I'm really sorry. But through a turn of events and through getting a scholarship, I ended up choosing Campbell. And even within my first few months here, I got papers to maybe transfer somewhere else. Because being from Raleigh, you know, everyone comes here and they want to go to Raleigh on the weekends. Um, Because back in 2002, when I started, uh, there was way less stuff on campus. So everyone wanted to go to Raleigh. And I just left Raleigh. I wanted something a little more exciting. But um, within the first couple months, I decided to stay. I decided to declare a major and, and set down some roots here. So I'm glad I did. I'm really glad I did. Well, since I know you through Campbell, I'm very glad that you <laughs> stayed. Um, I actually met Ashley. Um, my sister found you. I think the website was telling your story. Mm, photos, yes, old your, blog. Your first blog. Nobody go there. It's terrible editing. Now. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's still up. Maybe. <laughs> I, I looked for it yesterday. I couldn't find it. Oh, really? Oh, maybe um, it's down. <laughs> but you know, my sister. She stalked your photography blog for ages while she was in school. She's like, Ashley Stevenson, she went to Campbell. I want her to do my photos. And we met um, at a family shoot that we did mm-hmm. in 2012. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I think that was the first time we interacted. So I'm, you know, I'm very glad, glad that you stayed at Campbell and that my sister found your photography blog and now you're here. Um, and you're brave enough to invite me to your home. <laughs> I, yes, multiple times. We, we decided you're a good one. Um, so what did you study while you were at Campbell? I very early declared that I was a religion major, religion and Christian ministries. And I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do with that when I chose it. But I am so glad that I chose it because I loved the professors in that department. Still love them. A lot of them are still there. And um, the friendships that I made with my fellow religion majors, these are the people that are still very important to me today. So even though I didn't quite know what I was going to do with that major, I never regretted it. So I'm very interested in photography, and I have a great appreciation for photographers. I was a newspaper editor for a long time, and uh, I understand that um, you not only have to have an eye for it, you have to have a lot of patience, you have to have <laughs> a number of things that go into being a good photographer. But tell me, uh, what? how did you get into photography? I know you majored in divinity and, and religion, and uh, but what, what got you into photography? I had always loved photography. Um, when I was very little, I would tell my mom that I wanted to be an artist when I grew up. Um, I didn't know what that meant, but <laughs> I always said that, and it was always like, a, oh, that's cute. You can do that on the side for fun. Um, but in middle school and high school, and even in the college, I always had a camera on me, which meant a film camera at the time, or a digital camera, since we didn't get smartphones till the end of college. Um, but I just always loved it. And even my senior year in high school, 
I did what I called a portrait project, and I took portrait pictures of all my best friends, and I had them on my wall in my dorm here at Campbell, um, but still never thought I would actually do that as a job. I just thought it was something that I loved and I would do for fun. Um, so the fact that it kind of became a business was really kind of accidental, but I always had a love for taking pictures. When did you go from, oh, this is cute, to... <laughs> hey, th- this I can make a living out of this. Yeah, well, I think it was after I graduated. Um, I went to Duke Divinity School for a year. And on the side, I started working for a local photographer in Raleigh. And then at the same time, a lot of my Campbell friends were getting engaged and were starting to look for people to do engagement pictures. And they knew that I'd always loved photography. So they just started asking me. Um, and then their friends started seeing their pictures, and it just started growing. And I really never thought that I would be able to pull it off as a business. If anything, I thought maybe it would just happen on the side. Um, but I got in at a good time. Right now the, the industry is really flooded with photographers, but I got ahead of that wave, um, and I, I really feel like the friends and family kind of did it for me, helped me establish that business. Well, I know Leah's going to get more into your personal life, but <laughs> I'm going to ask it now since you just brought it up. Being yeah. f- the industry is flooded. Yeah. Um, all you need now is a decent camera or a good cell phone and photo editing equipment. And there are a lot of, and I'm using quote marks with my fingers here, mm-hmm. professional photographers out there. And a lot of it's very terrible. How how do you, uh, <laughs> I mean, it is. It's yeah. just, it's absolutely <laughs> dreadful. And um and I've seen your stuff, and it's obviously not. Your stuff is uh, very high quality. But how do you convince people that that's bad photography? And mm. like, <laughs> I mean, because people, some people just don't see it. It's true. Yeah. It's very true. Um, I guess I just start out by not thinking of it as saying that's bad photography. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I can say it. But right, no, you, you can. can say it. I don't. I don't say that. No, I. Um, Oh, gosh. I feel like the market became really flooded around the time of the recession. People wanted, like, a part-time job. They wanted to do something on the side to bring in more money, and it just exploded. And I think one of the things – I'm in my 11th year of business. One of the ways that I I can tell people that my photography is different is that I have this experience of 11 years. Um, I feel like – one of my selling points, and I hate even calling it that, but is is who I am and what I bring to it and bring to taking pictures. Because for me, I want to actually tell people's stories and I want to get to know the people that I'm photographing. It helps them feel more comfortable in front of me because um, it's never normal to be photographed, I think, unless right. you're a model. Um, but when I'm typically taking people's pictures on their wedding day, their family shoots, um, it's kind of a nervous experience to be vulnerable and to be seen in front of someone's camera. Um, and so there are times where I have to say, you know, when someone says, well, I really want to hire you for my wedding, but my uncle offered to do it for free. And so then I just have to say, well... I hear you, but you know, your uncle has other interests in your wedding day, like hanging out with your family, or they may not see the event the same way that I would when I'm not in your family and I'm paid to be there. Um, So I do have to kind of come at those things gently, because I also don't want to offend anyone's uncle. Right. (laughs) Uncles Uh, are important. Right. Uncles with cameras are very important. (laughs) Uncle Um, Bob. Yeah, but like you said, some people just can't see the difference, and so I have to come at it different ways. 
Well, one thing that I admire about your business model, um, Ashley is one of the first hashtag girl bosses that <laughs> I encountered and that I truly admire. Um, I did some ad- admin work for story photographers for a couple of years, and every time I interacted with a client or someone um, on behalf of story photographers, it felt like they were genuinely your friend because mm-hmm. you interacted with with them that way. You were authentic. Your business is um, purposeful, and you know your personality and your your passion for it flows through the whole business. Um, so, what advice would you have for students, current students, alumni, anybody that's trying to, you know, um, navigate the realm of being an entrepreneur these days? Mm. What advice would you give them? Well, first of all, thank you so much for those sweet words. That really means a lot, and that is so the spirit of how I want to do my business. Um, there, especially in the early days of building my business, there were times where I totally regretted not being a business major. Um, but then since then I've really realized I, not to discourage anyone from being a business major, but I was a business major, (laughs) right? Let me not discourage that. (laughs) Um, but I have to say that it's my passion for what I do that helped me figure out the rest second. Um, and I think it's really important to figure out in your story, what makes you come alive, what makes you feel the most passionate about something and to pursue that, to figure out how you can do that in your life. And maybe it won't be your job, um, but how you can somehow work that into what you're doing because that's what's life-giving to you. And that's Mm -hmm. what will help you do your best work in the world, I think. Um, So I think it's worth starting to notice that pattern, like what kind of makes you come alive? What do you want to talk about? What do you want to do in the world? Well, I know with the wedding industry, um, your, your calendar gets full quickly because weddings usually happen on the weekend. So your you know, your weekends are, are, um, few and far between. What else are you working on that gives life to you? I know you've been, I've helped out with the see her story event a couple of times, but, um, I know it's getting bigger and could you tell us about see her story and what that means to you? Yes, I would love to. I love to talk about see her story. Um, so, I came to find, I observed that a lot of times, and I'm going to use some generalizations here, um, but that women do not love being photographed and they want to hide. We, I will loot myself in this, we want to hide behind other people in pictures. We really don't like being photographed alone. Um, And I just... That I just kept thinking about that. And for me, as much as I love photographing all people, back when I was at Campbell and was thinking about being in ministry, my heart was for women's ministry. And I really didn't know what that was going to look like. And now I can see that I have been interested in how women express themselves in the world and how they live in their bodies in the world and how we feel so vulnerable in our bodies a lot of times. And so with See Her Story, it started out as this fundraiser that Leo was helping me with in the early days. Um, It started out as this idea that um, I wanted to help encourage women to be photographed alone. We need headshots for work. Our families want pictures of us, um, but we hate being photographed. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to create this evening that gave women an opportunity to be photographed alone. But I also know about women that we don't like to do things for ourselves. So I turned it into a fundraiser. So to get in the door, 
you have to bring a certain amount of money or resources off the donations need list at Interactive Wake County to get in. So not only are you spending time in your own story getting a picture for yourself, but you're also contributing to someone else's story and learning about the different women, the lives of the women that um, use the resources at Interact. So um, not only are you giving to yourself, but you're giving to others. And so that idea of just the fundraiser, now it's happening three years, um, has turned into a bigger concept. Um, I just had our first See Her Story retreat this past October. And uh, again, the expanded concept there is that we, as women, spend a lot of time pouring out of ourselves into other people. And we don't take the time to pour back into ourselves. Or we think that other people are going to do that for us. And there are ways that other people can pour back into us, but there are some ways that we just have to do that for ourselves. Um, so with See Her Story in general, I, I just want to create spaces for women to have the opportunity to, through creative routes, uh, spend time in their own story, to pour back into themselves, and to find ways to live more creative, healthy lives. Um, and because of that, I've also started thinking about See His Story. Um, it's very early in the concept because I am not a man. So I'm having to talk to a lot of men about what this would even look like. You can ask me. I'm All right. Well, then, Billy, you can be a part of the conversation. <laughs> um, so that that's in the works. Um, and it's it's been exciting to see how See Her Story has grown and expanded. And it'll be fun to see what happens with it next. It, that's it's interesting you say that. Uh, I I tote the camera in our family. I've um, I like to shoot as much of our, of our kids as as possible. Um, we have three little ones, and uh, I think my wife read something a few years ago that really stuck with her, and it was uh, to not worry about the way you look in these photos because um, your kids are going to look back and see the smiles and see you know that everybody was there. And they're not going to care about how anybody looked. And she was always worried about, well, you know, don't I don't have any makeup on, don't they? And she said something just clicked with her. She's like, fine, you know, you know. Absolutely. <laughs> and so, uh, um, and and so, yeah. No longer does she say, hey, no, no, don't shoot that. And uh, um, so we have tons and tons of photos, tons of video, and uh, hopefully our kids will look back and see all this and and uh, you know remember those good times. Whereas. I look back on my family photos, and it's like five or six grainy Polaroids. <laughs> yes, but, uh, this is definitely a different time for having families documented, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, uh, a lot of what you do is customer service oriented as well, and I'm sure that that was just as challenging as the business part, is learning how to deal with customers and their demands and their very specific demands. What's some of the craziest um, things that, without naming names or, or getting anybody <laughs> in trouble, what's some of the craziest requests that you've had? I think I imagine I there been one some. of those on behalf of her. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what, what's your what's your on behalf of me? Um, just clients wanting every single picture you ever took. Oh, and, and yeah. people make some ugly faces on the dance floor at a wedding. Sure. You, you don't want all this. <laughs> yeah, I think a couple years ago there was a well-known wedding blog, wedding industry resource that uh, told people to ask photographers for every single picture that they take at your wedding. Which, you guys, I promise you don't want because you don't want pictures of yourself chewing your food no. 
or every picture of you talking isn't cute. Like (laughs) some talking faces are not cute. And so, and you know, other times people may just be having a really good time dancing on the dance floor and we may see some things we're not supposed to see. So I promise that we don't withhold like good pictures from people. (laughs) And also I've really learned that um, I think after a certain amount of pictures, people kind of get, I don't know, picture fatigue. Like they can't, they have a hard time processing seeing that many pictures. And even though it's an event that's so important and it's full of people that you love and details that you chose, especially for weddings, since there's so many more images that I deliver for a wedding, I don't think people really know that they don't want to see all 3,000 pictures that we take on a wedding day. It's too overwhelming. I don't want to see all 3,000 of mine that you just took. Yeah, I just recently photographed Leah's wedding over here, and it was a dreamy day. I can't wait for her to see them. (laughs) So you've you've probably, just the sheer number of weddings that you've attended, you've probably become an expert on just the wedding itself, I imagine, like seeing, like, oh, they didn't do the food right there or or things like uh, What have you picked up on? On weddings in general, just from so your experience. You can use my wedding as an example <laughs> if you need to. Oh, my gosh. No. So Rebecca, who shoots with me, literally during Leah's wedding, she leaned over and she was like, I feel like this is the perfect wedding. Oh. I was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> Leah's going to love to hear I didn't that. I pay her to say that. They just, they're just awesome. <laughs> no. I have now sh- – I lost – I tallied it up a couple years ago, but I am probably around 300 weddings that I've photographed. Um, and I, this is one of the things I think I bring to the table at this point in shooting weddings is the fact that I am one of the few vendors on a wedding day that sees the whole day play out. And so um, there are times where I get to give advice and, and information to my clients in fields that are not related to photography or in fields that may not seem like they're related to photography, but they kind of are because I see everything go down. I watch it all happen. Like one of the biggest mistakes that I see is that in the DIY wedding movement um, is that it seems like a good idea in the beginning to try to do all the details yourself and to save money that way. Um, But a lot of times on the day of, that kind of means that All your family and friends are trying to pull those things off for you, or you are doing those things when you should be getting ready. Right. Um, So, yeah, there's a lot of things like that that I think start out with good intentions, but I've watched turn into very crazy moments in the end. Well, can you tell us how to find you, where to find you online, and uh, um, social media, website, and all that kind of good stuff? Absolutely. So my website is storyphotographers.com. You can find me on Facebook, also at Story Photographers, my business page. Uh, my Instagram is also Story Photographers. On Twitter, it's Story Photo. All the O's are zeros because somebody else already had my handle several years ago. Ah. So rude. <laughs> Fakers. I'm telling you. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, you can also find um, an Instagram account for See Her Story. It's c.her.story on Instagram. And I kind of link up all those different accounts, so it's easy to find me. So one final one for me, and this will be real quick because sure. uh, I'll let Leah end it here. But uh, Story appears in all your uh, – <laughs> what's, uh, what's, what's the reason for, for that word in everything you do? Absolutely. So I started out with my business name being my name. And I knew that I wanted to grow the business past just me into more as a team. So I started thinking about what we could name the business. And over and over again in the early days of shooting weddings and and families and events, 
uh, people kept using the word story. They would say, I can really see the story of what's going on in your pictures or what's going on in your work. And that just spoke so big to me. Like I loved, for, because for me, I want to get to know our clients. It's not just a let me photograph you and then bye and never see you again. Um, I love striking up relationships and, and having what I call client friends, um, people that started out as clients that become friends. And so I've also learned that the best way for me to photograph people um, is to know their stories because then it helps me see them in a more authentic way and it helps them uh, become more comfortable with me and to open up in a way that allows me to photograph them well. Cool. Well, the week after Thanksgiving, it makes me a little extra thankful for Campbell University, um, for fellow alumni like Ashley Stevenson, who has now become a good friend and a mentor to me, and for you, Billy, for being a great, great co-host. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks you for had to think here, for actually. that word there a great uh, uh, co-host <laughs> I, I, I could be a friend you could be a friend <laughs> but thanks Ashley thank you for joining us today I thank hope you you've so enjoyed much. it I have thank you for having me yes thank you so much every time I see your face it reminds me of the places we used to go back. Uh, thank you again, Ashley Stevenson. She's actually um, still in the studio with us, and feel free to, to jump in any time. We're going to uh, to talk a little uh, wedding, honeymoon, and then uh, I wanted to also uh, talk about finals week coming up. But first off, uh, our... All things stressful, right? Yeah. Half of <laughs> half of Rhymes with Orange is, uh, is back this week. Uh, thank you to Dr. Michelle Perez for filling in for for Leah for the past two weeks, but Leah's back, and as she stated at the beginning of the show, she is no longer Leah Witt, so uh, no, tell, I us, am, tell us what you are now. I am Leah Jarvis, and that sounds so weird to say. Yeah, because I guess you spend your whole life as one... 27 years as Leah Witt, and now I'm Leah Jarvis. Well, congratulations, and uh, as you guys stated uh, during the interview, um, it was a beautiful wedding. I saw the photos. It was. It was a great day. The best day ever. Yeah. And uh, you've been spending the last how many days in Hawaii? We were in Hawaii for two weeks. Wow. It was very hard to come back and come <laughs> back to work So in the cold. So I want to ask you about Hawaii, but I want to share something real quick. I sent Leah an email <laughs> while she was gone, and it very specifically said in the subject, do not answer this email. I just want to see what your away message says so I know when you're coming back. <laughs> and so she immediately answered with a text and then sent me a photo of a waterfall, and it was like 30 degrees here when I got that photo of the waterfall, so it was very uh, very not nice of you, but it looked beautiful, and uh, I've never been to Hawaii, so I can't wait to go. So tell us tell us uh, the highlights of the trip. Well, getting there is, is not for the faint of heart. It's a very long plane ride, um, but totally worth it. We went to Maui and Kauai and um, rented a Camaro on Maui and did the Hana Highway, Wow, um, which... You, I never thought you could have waterfall fatigue, but in Maui you have waterfall fatigue. Everywhere you go, there's a waterfall. Um, but the Hana Highway is hairpin turns, one-lane roads. You go over like 50 one-lane bridges. You have to honk your horn when you make a turn because to the left of you is a cliff and the ocean, and then to the right of you is a waterfall. Um, 
but it, it was beautiful, lots of hiking. We, we didn't want to go somewhere and sit on the beach and drink because we figured we could do that, and I probably should have said that because we're at Campbell. Um, we'll drink non-alcoholic <laughs> pina coladas. And, that, that's right, right. that's right. Okay. Um, but we... <laughs> and water, yes, coconut water. Kevin said he could do that in Carolina, yes. so we were going to go hiking and exploring. And well, You said you got waterfall fatigue. Can you get beauty fatigue? Like, can you no. just look out and say, ugh... No, you cannot. It's so stinking beautiful. <laughs> Even in the rain, it was beautiful. Every shade of green. Um, so after we spent four days in Maui, and then we went over to Kauai, and I agreed to go deep sea fishing with Kevin, and he agreed to run a half marathon with me. So we ran our half marathon, uh, first test in marriage right there. Yeah, I say you won that one because, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, not everybody likes to fish, but. Yeah, he, he complained <laughs> a lot. Okay. and um uh, he said it was his first and his last half marathon, and we saw a wild pig while we ran, which was, they have wild pigs everywhere. That's the coolest thing about Hawaii is they don't have snakes, and they don't have predatory animals except for the mongoose, which, let's be real, I could kick a mongoose right. if it attacked me. Um, so all the hiking and exploring was, it wasn't like you're hiking in, on the Appalachian Trail. It's not like there are bears and stuff. You just have to make sure you don't slip on some mud and rocks, but... So we ran the half marathon. We went deep sea fishing. Um, yeah, I did win that because I just slept on the boat, so I wouldn't get seasick. <laughs> so it was a good time. And you came back to a nice, cold North Carolina. Yeah, we got picked up from the airport, and my in-laws brought our dog, and it was very cold. But Gunner snuggled with us the whole ride home and kept us warm. So um, it has been an adjustment. Well, again, welcome back. I asked you this on the way up here. If you'd settled into normalcy yet, you said you're kind of getting there. So. Kind of getting there um, with the holidays. It was We got back on Friday, and then it was Thanksgiving week, which was a short work week. and um, So we're slowly getting back to normal Jarvis life. Jarvis life. Yeah. That's cool. <laughs> well, um, that's awesome. I, I know everybody was very happy for you in our well, uh, in our little den here and uh we're glad to have you back uh you will be back one more time next week for the podcast it'll be our last one of the semester i jumped the gun and said that this week was the last week last you two forgot weeks ago. that november had i forgot november days. had another week in it yeah <laughs> so, but uh so you'll be here next week i won't you'll be here with our first guest rod hipwell and the two of you are going to interview dr adam english and you're going to talk about santa claus that's right he's our local christmas expert yeah so what better guest to have oh i can't wait to hear that one because uh ask one question for me though okay um i've got a kid who's eight and she kind of understands things now so I want to know how to how to navigate that. How to navigate that one. Well, I have so. a funny story because my sister is three years older than I am, and I spoiled the Santa Claus. Dad, thing. Did, you, we have children listeners. Oh, do we? Okay, you can edit that out. <laughs> you can edit all this out, Billy. No, I, no, I no, no. It's Santa okay. Claus you spoiled Santa Claus for you, my sister. For your older sister? Yeah. <laughs> How'd you do that? Well, I I think I was scared of the Easter Bunny. And my mom said something to me about the Easter Bunny, and then Christmas rolled around, and I was like, well, if the Easter Bunny isn't... Yeah. Okay. So we can edit all that out. No, that's all right. you well, can listen to it with your kids. I don't want to ruin it for your kids. No, my kids don't listen to this. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> my kids aren't podcast listeners. I don't know. They're Billy Liggett's kids. So. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we, yeah. Okay, well... Yeah, please ask him that for me. How do well, I navigate that? How do you navigate? Yeah, but just be very cryptic in the in the question. Be, okay. 
Because uh, we'll leave yeah. the mystery intact. Yeah. Well, uh, I wanted to end this podcast with one final thing, and I wanted to wish uh, good luck to all the Campbell University students coming up on their um, what is this fall semester? I guess their fall finals. For a lot of freshmen, this will be their first finals experience, and I don't count midterm exams because you know, nobody they don't count. Nobody cares about midterm exams, but uh, um, we do have a few traditions here at Campbell, and uh, one tradition here. And actually, I don't know, did they have this? When you were here as well, the midnight breakfast tradition. Absolutely. Yeah. I think I probably still have my free T-shirts. <laughs> so yeah, T-shirts are, are a big draw They're as well. Here. Yes, they are gold. Um, but so I was looking at, uh, and I'm sorry, Campbell, but a lot of colleges, universities have the midnight breakfast. So that's not unique. But there are some very unique traditions out there. And Campbell does have one unique one, and that's rubbing the... Uh, J.A. Campbell statue mustache for good luck. I know people do it at the beginning of the semester. Um, I encourage them to do it this week as well for good luck on the finals. Um, Some of the more interesting other uh, university traditions, Carleton College in Minnesota has something called the Primal Scream, where they all lean out of windows, they stand in their hallways, and they gather outside at, it's like 8 p.m. on the night before finals, and they just scream for a good minute. It's just... And there's, uh, I'm actually play right after this a uh, YouTube clip of the people screaming. It sounds great. Um, when the <laughs> scream's over, the students go back to studying. And, and uh, one of the things they do is called the silent dance party the night before finals, where they uh, they all uh, go to the library with headphones on and they have a preset playlist and they all start dancing. And if you're just walking in, you see a bunch of people dancing to no music. It might be kind of weird. But uh, anyways, Carleton College in Minnesota, they have a really good tradition. Pomona College, this is would be my favorite. They do Death by Chocolate on the week before finals. Um, their student union is transformed into a chocolate wonderland of fountains, uh, chocolate-covered fruits, pretzels, crackers, and candy bars. And uh, it's become so popular that there are websites out there now dedicated to guiding students on how to navigate this without getting sick. So it's, uh, it's it a big like deal. sounds like we need to take a road trip. Yeah. Uh, Tufts University in Massachusetts, they do a naked quad run. They streak on the last Friday before finals in December. Uh, UNC Greensboro, um, I've never been on this campus and seen the statue of Minerva there, but apparently they have a big statue of the Greek goddess of wisdom. And so um, for the last 10 years, students have left notes and half-eaten fruit spare change and other trinkets uh, for good luck for their finals. And then Maryland also has a turtle on their campus, and uh, everybody leaves um, gifts and everything for the turtle as kind of an offering for the finals gods. Uh, Illinois State has a huge dance party in their library, and uh, they actually hire DJs, and they turn their library into a full-out club. And then I liked these two uh, uh, traditions, but they're not necessarily finals-related. Baylor University... Um, every Tuesday during the semester from 3 to 4 hands out free Dr. Peppers. It's called Dr. Pepper Hour. So fun fun fact, <laughs> we only had Dr. Pepper at our wedding. We had beer, wine, water, and Dr. Pepper. It's the wit way. Because that is the wit way. We, we, my family loves Dr. Pepper. <laughs> you would love Texas. Dr. Pepper, I haven't really noticed it in North Carolina the last 10 years, but I grew up in Texas, and um, Dr. Pepper, that's all anybody drinks there. And... Uh, it's huge, and I never really liked it that much, but I was always a Coke guy. But Blasphemy. Yeah, it is blasphemy, but but you should have gone to Baylor because every Tuesday you would have gotten free Dr. Pepper. Why would I go to Baylor when I went to Campbell <laughs> University? 
And then finally, uh, Bucknell University, um, they, on the last week of school, go out as a group and serenade their president. They sing to him or her, and uh, um, it's just become a tradition. And All it's right, a Camels. Good luck thing. <laughs> I, I think Dr. Creed needs a song sung to him this week. Yes. my, And then I'll share one final tradition. My tradition before finals every semester was I would go to bed late, and I would oversleep and get to class about 20 minutes late and then rush through a test and not do very well. So that was my tradition, and it, it did pretty well for me. We always went to Wilmington. We went to Wrightsville Beach on reading day because we figured we'd, if we were going to study, we might as well study at the coast. So that was our tradition. It was probably more effective than mine. Probably. Well, that's a, that's all we have for this week. Um, I guess I will read the... Uh, <laughs> The Thing. <laughs> the Thing. <laughs> the Thing. Uh, Rhymes of the Orange is a product of Campbell University's Office of Communications and Marketing. Our Vice President for Advancement is Dr. Britt Davis, and our Assistant Vice President for Communications and Marketing is Haven Hoddle. Uh, Rhymes, with or- with Orange. Ugh. Rhymes with Orange is co-produced by Sarah Harden. She is our Director of Marketing, and our Director of Visual Identity is Jonathan Bronsink. Our Director of Web Design is Nikki Zawal. All of these fine people contribute to this fine podcast, which is now in its 11th episode. Your hosts, uh, as always, are me, Billy Liggett, and uh, Dr. Leah Jarvis. (laughs) (laughs) And that's me without the doctor. That's my husband. Yes. And Um, uh, um, we'll see you next week with uh, Dr. Adam English. And that's it. Yeah. Until then, go camels. Do your thing. Go camels. (laughs)